Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Wearing a Hoagie Fest 2015 shirt, I know that all of my East Coasters will understand that I found this at a thrift store. Let me just tell you. Hoagie Fest 2015. Uh, if you know, you know. But this week, we are not chatting about hoagies, even though I love a hoagie. Uh, we are actually chatting about demonic summoning, analog horror, Quister Quistafoot. <laughs> With the walk-in, Armageddon, Korean found footage, and Nazi med scientists. I'm talking like all found footage today, by the way. Like, so just get excited Dang. for that. That's that's I know that's wild. So before we do get into what we're talking about, I just want to put this out there for the Fresh Wounds subscribers on Patreon that when we <laughs> switched over to Dread Central, it kind of messed up our. Um, our other podcasting host. And so I did a mad dash today to get all of the episodes back up. So you're going to see, if you log into your Patreon, you're going to see a ton of posts, but it's the only way for me to get <laughs> the audio posts up on, on back on Patreon. So apologize for our mess, <laughs> dear Patreon li- listeners. Um, but all of your stuff, including, including today's episode on Frontiers, are all up there. In order, everything is is good to go. <laughs> so sorry about that. It was a mess. And I was like, ah! <laughs> so if you're a Fresh Wound subscriber on Patreon, please excuse our mess. Demonic summoning. Yeah. So I'm trying to catch up on on movies that I've I've missed this year, trying to like round up my my top ten that we're gonna be talking about um pretty soon on the podcast. <sighs> and <laughs> And this is a movie that, A, well, there's two reasons that I watched it. One is that I needed to get caught up on it. And two, uh, we were tr- we were going to get the um, the co-writers and slash director on the, epi- on the show. And you'll find out that that's happening. Spoiler alert. Ah, so I watched <laughs> The Sacrifice Game, directed by Jen Wexler and written by Sean Redlitz and... Jen Wexler takes place at Christmas. Love a Christmas horror film. It t- it's set in the 1970s at a boarding school where these two students, Samantha and Clara, aren't able to go home for the holidays, and so they are kind of the holdovers over the the break. At the same time, there's this cult, this Manson-esque cult of people that are going around killing specific people, and it seems like there might be some kind of demonic thing going on with that as well. And they end up colliding with the school. And not to use a pun, but all hell breaks loose. I really like this movie. I was I enjoyed the Ranger, um, and this movie I think is a a definite step up in terms of um, Jen Wexler's directing ability. Like it is, this is so much more assured, and I think that this is a really good Christmas horror film. It's a good demonic movie. It has some really good acting. Has a great cast. Some really gnarly kills. I I, I was surprised at some of the uh, the blood the bloodletting in this. But I I just I really really dug it. And it's on Shutter right now, so y'all can go 
can go watch it. You saw this one too, Mary Beth. Okay, so I saw this at at Fantastic Fest, and I was so excited because I loved the Ranger. Like I know, <laughs> like you know, you I I understand people's like complaints, but I was Jen Wexler was also like the first person I ever interviewed as a journalist as like part of my film career. So like that movie is a very special place in my heart. And so I was really excited to see this. And I fucking love this movie. Like I, I wrote in my review that like, this is like the next Christmas classic. And like, I'm not bullshitting. Like, I really do think that this is like, everyone's putting out Christmas horror movies. Like everyone's like, oh, that's hot right now. But this one like actually understands the assignment. It's not try. it uses the Christmas setting really well, but doesn't make the whole thing about Christmas. It's not trying to be too gimmicky, but it uses Christmas to its advantage rather than as like the central gimmick to it, which I really appreciate. Not that I don't appreciate holiday horror movies, but like things like this that are and like and Black Christmas have this feeling that they they utilize Christmas, but don't use it as like the crutch of why it exists. And I think that's really important for a holiday horror movie to really work for me. And I think it's really amazing because I think we're seeing Jen Wexler when she's given like a decent budget and a decent like cast and a decent access to resources and like see what she can do. Like, look, this badass made this really cool movie with limited material but like now look at her using Nina Masood uh, Masood who is, is Aladdin is like playing a char a crazy ass Charles Manson character but then um and there's like a huge it's just so much bigger and still indie like I would still consider this indie but it's bigger than what the ranger was and so Absolutely. it's really amazing to see that and I also think I won't go too deeply because it's kind of into spoiler territory but like the way this portrays female friendship too and like female camaraderie is incredible I really love how this movie portrays not just like friendship between young girls but also like relationships with the female teacher but also there's one female cult member and I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on with her development as a character throughout the movie so it's just really cool to see a filmmaker like Jen and also this was produced by Heather Buckley, who's another huge badass in horror. Like, she is so fucking cool. But it's like, when you give these badass, like, women money, they make a really good fucking story that's gory and gross and fun and, like, kind of queer. And also inverts everything you know about, like, religious demon movies. So I just, like, really, I just really love this movie. Great cast. I was really impressed with with the cast that she managed to to get together for this one too. Yeah, I know. It's it's a good one. And um Georgia Eccles who plays Clara. This is her first movie and uh I can't wait to see what else she does cuz she fucking rules in this movie. She's really good. It's on Shutter now, so y'all should watch it. It's the perfect holiday cozy inside when it's cold movie. And you really should watch it before our episode on Monday. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay, let's let's talk about analog horror. So this week, a friend of the show, Tony Kaufman, was DMing was DMing me that he found this video about the creepiest and weirdest internet mysteries of the year. Oh, I think you might have sent that to me too. I haven't watched it yet, though. Yeah. So he DM'd this to me. It's like three hours long. I only watched part of it. Uh, I haven't watched the whole thing yet. And so the next day, he DM'd me and was like, "Holy shit! Like this." series that I found on that video I sent you is terrifying. You have to watch it. And I was like, oh, Um, it's called Greylock. And it just came out this year. It's an analog YouTube series. And so I was like, all right, it's the holiday week. It's like a holiday week for work. I'll just put it on while I work. Let me tell you, this is how you do analog horror. So Greylock, if you liked The Empty Man, you will like Greylock. Let me just put it that way. So it's 11 videos. 
on a on YouTube. And it is basically an ancient entity kind of is awoken and there are tulpas and weird mind madness things going on so often. And I love analog horror. So analog horror, for y'all who aren't familiar, it's like Mandela Catalog, The Back Rooms. A lot of the time people, it looks kind of just like PowerPoint horror, which is another thing, another name I've seen for it, because it's like a real, that's a really easy way to emulate the style of analog horror. But the point of analog horror is like looking like a VHS tape. Like Mandela Catalog did some really cool stuff with, again, stat- a lot of static images but Greylock, it looks like more found footage. There's a lot of static images and talking, but it's not just that. And there's a lot of really freaky jump scares and it's got a snuff film feeling to it. And I need to watch it again because there's just like a lot going on. But let me tell you, there is one episode where I was just like, it is broad daylight and I'm actually a little bit freaked out right now. Oh. I really want to watch it again, but it's... This is how you do analog horror. I mean, like, again, I understand people playing with the idea with, like, the, the kind of PowerPoint, kind of, by PowerPoint, I mean, like, the slide presentation of it. But this is, like, a really good mix of that simplistic thing, but then also some acting in it, a lot of really good voiceover work, and just, like, a lot of really weird-ass images all kind of coming together. And it's, like, it's basically like you're watching evidence tapes. At each episode oh, shit. is named tape 011, 010. And so it's like you're watching evidence tapes and it's like you're watching evidence of a calamity that happened and like what happened and like kind of piecing together the puzzle. Each episode, they're pretty, they start out short and then towards the end, they're about 20 minutes long. Yeah, I've noticed like some of them start like at one minute and then like the last episode is 20. And so the last episode was posted two months ago. And so I am unsure if it is still going or if it is not i haven't done a ton of digging into it but i think there's just from what i watched and like i watched all of them it looks like there might be more but yeah i'm really into it it's like this is the kind of shit i'm like so excited about like seeing what people can make online or putting on youtube and are making so cheaply but it's so effective and like this is the kind of horror that people, especially like younger people are gravitating towards. Like I always look at my brother who's 21 and like he loves analog horror because he can just watch it on his phone and seeing, and I've watched a lot of analog horror and it's like really hard now to find the good ones. And I had never heard of this one. And so I was really stoked uh, that Tony sent this to me because it's really good. And especially if you liked The Empty Man and like Twin Peaks, absolutely highly recommend i just added it to my watch list because this sounds really intriguing and just the the still images on here are um kind of gnarly oh yeah they're fun yeah they're pretty gnarly it was a it's a good spooky watch i think it's a good watch like when you're at at night headphones on kind of situation so kate in the chat typed twin peaks cough cough terry yes twin peaks I'm moving through it. I'm I will be finishing <laughs> the second season. I know, Kate. I know. For those that don't know, I'm I also am do I do like this uh podcast with Joe Lipset um on the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad and we're going through the works of Cronenberg and Lynch and we are currently working our way through um Twin Peaks and it might not be my favorite, but that's that's okay. Mary Beth doesn't hate me too much for that. No. I, season two is hard. <laughs> season two is a hard. I understand. Like, I get it. Season two is weird. It's long. 
And it's a little weird. But anyway, kind of related, just due to like end of the world type vibes, Christopher Walken and Armageddon. I I need to know exactly what the fuck. So yeah, so I'm getting my, I don't know if like y'all can see, but Jesus Christ, I'm getting my, um, my orders in from Black Friday and I got the ones from Vinegar Syndrome this week and I'm trying to go back through my massive collection of physical media that I have not gotten to yet. And I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood to watch The Prophecy. Have you ever seen this, Mary Beth? I have not seen this. So this is this is a series of films. Um, yes, there were, there's a quite a few of them, right? There are. The first three have Christopher Walken in them. And okay. then they end up going on with different characters probably because they started to, you know, dip in and quality is a subjective word for this, but dip in quality for the the rest of the series is what I'm guessing. I had never seen it. I remember seeing the 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 VHS art in the in the um, you know movies the movie sections and thinking yeah christopher walken always weirded me out growing up and i think it's because all i had what are you old (laughs) all i had like in my head was his performance in communion and also like he just i don't know he just is is quirky and weird and i don't think as a as a young kid slash teenager i was ready for his his brilliance i now i really love him now but Back then, I was like, "This is that weird dude," <laughs> and and the cowboy, yep, the cowbell sketch, yep, exactly, Kate. And so he'd always been like that weirdo that just I was not on his level. <laughs> but let me tell you, the prophecies cast has Christopher Walken, Elias Codius, who we saw in Exotica, and he's also he was also Casey Jones in the original Terminator or Terminator Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Virginia Madsen, Eric Stoltz, and Viggo Mortensen as the devil. What the hell? I didn't know all these people were in this movie. I didn't uh, like, either. Granted, I haven't looked into it at all. I just always see the cover and it's Christopher Walken looking kind of scary. And then I've moved on from there. Like, that is really all I know. Uh-huh. Oh, now I know this. And and it has Amanda Plummer and Adam Goldberg in it, too. So just... Oh. A wild okay. cast that, like, you would think that this would be a bigger deal of a movie than I think it might have been, um, but just because of the the cast that's attached to it, this movie is about. Yeah, what is it about? It has wild. <laughs> Tell it's me. Very wild. It has a it, the energy is very off in it for a movie in which you have this cast and you have Christopher Walken playing Gabriel the Angel. I kind of expected it to have a little bit more of a manic energy, but it is more of a noir detective-y type of story where we're following this Elias's character um Thomas Daggett what a name who (laughs) Daggett when the movie opens he is going to become a priest and as he is kneeling down to kiss the floor to become a, a priest he has this weird vision of war and heaven and hell and it freaks him out to the point that he leaves the priesthood years later he's now a detective and he is investigating this strange case in which they find body that does not have eyes and when i say does not have eyes i don't mean like they were ripped out of him like it just had this body has never had eyes it doesn't have the things There's like no eye sockets it's just like skin they're, they're empty that's empty eye sockets but like the the there's muscles, like no like meat or yeah, anything in nothing. there and there's nothing in there for the eyes to connect. So it wasn't as if like someone plucked the eyeballs out. It just never had eyes and had both huh. male and, and female um, genital situations going. 
and has the blood chemistry of an aborted fetus. What? Is a line that is spoken. Wait, I have so many questions about that, but I'll move on. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then he finds, they find a Bible that has an expanded book of revelations that talks about a second war in heaven and a prophecy that a dark soul will be found on earth and used as a weapon to damn the world, I guess. And so we okay. have Gabriel played by Christopher Walken, who is a fallen angel. And we have Simon played by Eric Stoltz, who is an angel from heaven and they are doing battle on Earth to, I guess, Christopher Walken wants to bring on the apocalypse. And so they're looking for this dark soul, which Simon gets at one point. And there's this really uncomfortable moment where he is like, he looks like he's living in an abandoned school. And this little girl who is Native American, like, befriends him. And he ends up, like, putting this dark soul in her body through her mouth. So that's weird because he basically, like, puts his mouth on hers and breathes the spirit into her. I just feel like you're telling me a dreamy. I don't... I just don't... stuck on the aborted fetus blood chemistry thing too honestly like i don't i know and to make matters worse i was watching this on ambien and so oh god oh my god (laughs) i am looking i I am looking back through my notes and i'm like i don't even know what i was trying to say here honestly though like i feel like that's the way to this movie sounds like the kind of movie you have to watch while you're on ambien it's it's wild and i i can't even I can't even begin to, like, it has a weird energy where it feels kind of boring, but it's also the most bonkers thing that I've seen in a minute. So I, I don't know how to, I don't know really how to, to describe this film adequately to really fully understand the madness that is the prophecy. But it, it was definitely an interesting film, and I'm excited to dig into the sequels. <laughs> but it is weird. It is a weird-ass movie. I don't know what else to say. Huh. Okay. So that's the prophecy. You can get the first three from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. So from um, aborted fetus blood to Korean found footage. Hit me. What what is this? (laughs) I'm very excited. Okay. So today I'm... I was working on my top 10 found footage movies of 2023 list. Or the best found footage movies of 2023 list. And I had some stuff on there, but I was doing some last minute research to kind of see if I had missed anything big, if there's anything I needed to see before kind of putting the finishing touches on the list. And I've seen most things, but then I came across a movie on Letterboxd that I had never even heard of before that came out on iTunes just like randomly this year, but it's called Marui Video. Okay. M-A-R-U-I Video. And it is like Naroy meets Lake Mungo, kind of meets the Poughkeepsie tapes, but it's not as successful, but it's still really interesting. So it is, it has that setup of like, we found the footage and we put it together. This is what happened. And the whole conceit is this documentary film crew was uh, trying to track down this tape of a brutal killing in that took place in the 90s and they find the tape they watch it and they see something in the background that looks like a ghost and they start digging as to like what could have caused this and it's kind of 
filmed like a slick Netflix true crime documentary while also melding like found footage, uh, like handheld video techniques, which is really interesting. And it basically goes down this rabbit hole of like, it goes on this crazy rabbit hole. I don't want to spoil anything because like a lot of it is really interesting to like kind of get to, un- to as they unveil it. The biggest problem the movie has is that it tries to do, it's trying to do a lot in um, an hour and 27 minutes. It's trying to tell like a really complicated story and like, Neroy does that, but Neroy has almost, has almost a two-hour runtime. Yeah. So if this was a little bit longer, I think it could have connected some of the dots a little bit better. But that being said, I was pretty impressed by it. Like, again, I had never heard of it. I simply found it because, like... And, like, a couple people I know had seen it. Um, So I was like, how the fuck did I miss this? But, yeah, it was a really interesting mix. It's like, you see, there's, like, flares of Lake Mungo of what Neroy is doing. of like Because, like, Neroy is that kind of, like down the rabbit hole and this is very similar like it starts in one place as like a serial killer documentary or like a kill like a, a murder true crime thing and becomes something very weird very quickly it's like a, it's basically true crime becomes supernatural which is cool and i just wish they had like a little bit more runtime to like really get the connective tissue all together but regardless I'm glad I saw it because now I have seen another, like, barely talked about found footage movie. Uh, it's available to rent and buy um, on the iTunes store and on Apple TV. Um, I bought it. It was cheaper to buy it than to rent it. So I just bought it. Don't you love it when that happens? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I guess I own this now. And it's like an hour and 27 minutes. If you're a found footage person, I definitely give it give it a watch. Yeah, I was, I was really glad I found it. It's like one of, It's like this is a time of year where... I get excited to find little hidden gems like this because I've seen so much shit. So it's nice to find something like, oh, this is a nice little surprise that I hadn't heard of. And, you know, we had been t- we'd been talking um, about Gonjiam Haunted Asylum. And I was thinking after talking about that movie. Ho. Fucking ho. <laughs> Me too. I mean, like, I guess you could do that, but you don't have to. Are you trying to get my attention? Oh, this stretchy. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. But I was I was I was curious cuz I don't think I've seen a whole lot of Korean found footage films. I haven't either. Yeah, this was actually I was thinking about the same thing because I was like, "Wait, hold on. I actually haven't seen a lot of them." And it's it's fascinating to me because like there are obviously some like iconic Japanese found footage films like but but a lot of the found footage films from Japan are just from Koji Shiraishi. Like right. they're not really done by other people. So I don't think found footage is ob- obviously found footage is not like a distinctly American thing, but it's like it's harder for those lower budget movies to come over here. Yeah, I feel like. And, and so I am I curious. Did, like, yeah. I did go to the found footage critic website. Oh, yeah. And there are definitely some Korean um, found footage films that I did see on there, but I does not it does not look like they are readily available um, here in the States. And I do wonder if it's yeah. because they are um, probably very low budget and doesn't have the kind of well, cachet that, like, Parasite does or something, you know? Well, and, like, Koji Shiraishi's movies, like, you really can only find Neroy. And yeah. then I've seen a cult because that's on YouTube. It's really hard to get access to, like, these kinds of movies. It's like you get, like, the one kind of example from a country and then it's, like, either no one's making them or we're just not getting access to them. And there might not be as much. I also don't think there's as much as, like, of a a market for them, I think, in foreign countries, too, with the kinds of movies. But, yeah, 
So if you are interested in more Korean found footage, highly recommend uh, Marui Video. This director did another movie called with a similar title. That's called uh, Mukdugi Video. It's 53 minutes long. I had I don't know where to find it. I haven't looked, but it's another like kind of found footagey uh, haunting movie. So okay, yeah, that that's. I just like did a lot of finding weird things to watch on the internet this week. Uh, which is kind of been my mo. I mean, it's kind of hard right now, right? Where it's like I I feel like I mean we talked a little bit about this off air. I feel a little movied out <laughs> right now, and I my letterbox when I was looking through what I've watched, it has definitely shown me that I've not watched a whole lot recently. Um, it's bad. Like I haven't watched a lot recently, and it's like. I've seen most of the big horror things, but I also feel like, oh shit, there's some I haven't seen. But I also like, you know, I'm not trying. This is like, it sounds, it's so hard to complain about this because we don't want to sound ungrateful. Like in critics, like, because we're in Gallica and the critic society and we get all these screeners and it's like, oh shit, I can watch all these other movies and genres that I don't usually seek out during the year. But now I'm like, I don't want to watch another second of a movie. I just want to watch like bullshit. But I'm glad that I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and watched at least some cool, weird found footage shit yeah. this week. And speaking of weird found footage shit this oh, week, yes. what movie did we watch in our found footage series for today, Terry? <laughs> so we watched Frankenstein's Army, this weird ass action horror found footage movie. <laughs> For World War II. <laughs> about World War II and a battalion of Russian soldiers that are lured to the secret lab of a mad scientist and forced to face off against a lot of weird ass creatures that are a mix of man and, and machine. What'd you think? So here's the thing. I, <laughs> what I, what I, there, there's. There's one thing that I did not like about this movie, and it's something that I okay. like realized as I was watching it that made me that it was a realization that movies nowadays are too dark. And this movie, which was filmed in 2013, could have used a little bit more darkness in the lighting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because this movie is very bright. I was surprised at how bright it was. It gives it a feeling of a set as opposed to more lived in realness for me. Oh, okay. And I think that because it is, you know, in HD and it's bright, some of the the creature effects in some of the close-ups don't necessarily look as good. But I also think that this is interesting because this is a movie that is very bright in a time when, like, people are complaining about not being able to see dragons and being able to see stuff on on their movie. And so it's, it's so, I, I found that just as like a film nerd, very interesting to see how this movie, which could have used darkness and could have been a lot darker to kind of hide the, the low budgetness of it, didn't do that. And now today we have all these big effects and no one can ever fucking see them because everything is, is, is so fucking dark. So that was, that was my only complaint about this movie. Cause otherwise I was sitting here going, man, you don't get to see a lot of horror action as a found footage. Like this movie, this movie deserves more love. It does. Cause this movie shows creatures like very quickly within the first act. And then it just sort of goes from there. And it's, so it's not like I was, I was afraid it was going to be like a very slow buildup. And then it was going to be like a third act of just mayhem. And there is a third act of mayhem, but the second act is exciting. The whole movie is an action horror film that just happens to be found footage. And I think that's really wild because I don't see that very often. Like, 
I know this movie is not perfect, but I just really love that it exists because it's so weird. Because it's like, it's such a weird mix of things. Like, it is a creature feature. It is a World War II movie. It is a horror action movie. And compared with the World War II, it's about Nazis. So it's like a very weird mix of things. Not for horror. Like, that's a pretty common horror movie. But in the found footage style, it makes it feel so much more fresh. And it makes Mm -hmm. it feel much more interesting because you are actually embodying the perspectives of the soldiers. And you're also seeing some pretty awesome monsters. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know some of the, but like some of them, like, I love, I never thought about the lighting because I think I just love that you can see the monsters. They're never trying to, and like, I think that there's a, like a pride to what they are able to create that I so deeply appreciate. Especially like my favorite one is like the guy that has like, it looks almost like he's like samurai swords for legs. And it's just like walking around and it's just like so fucked up, but so good. And what it's doing. And it's just like, again, it's not perfect, but like, it's a movie that once again, so ingeniously proves what you can do with found footage and how you can make a really scary movie or like at least creepy, like getting that up close and personal first person POV with monsters like that and like hand to hand combat type shit. It's just really like, if you liked Overlord, you'll love this movie. Like if you, if you're, if you, if you're into Overlord, then you should watch Frankenstein's army ASAP. Yes. Ridiculous. Yeah. An ancient, an ancient relative of Frankenstein making zombie robots for Hitler. Yeah. That's (laughs) fucking stupid. But like, of course it is. Who cares? Like that. And that's why I like it. Cause it goes full stupid to the point where you're like, I appreciate this. Like, it's not necessarily, it's not a comedy, but it's not also taking itself super seriously that you're like, come on, guys. Like, this is a zombie Nazi movie. It's, it's fun. It's having fun with what it's doing. One of my favorite things when I was writing my notes was just like trying to come up with descriptors for the monsters. And so I have... Because I was my question I was going to ask you, and I think you kind of answered it, was what's what's your favorite monster? Because the ones that I wrote down was I like the Iron Maiden mask guy. There's this person, one with like this mask that is like an Iron Maiden, and then the one that I think you're talking about that I just called the Narwhal Stiltman because it looks like he's on stilts and he has like this narwhal almost like knife thing that he is like stabbing down with, and so I call him the Narwhal Stiltsman. So I, I I think that might be the one that you're talking about. But I really yes. like that one. Yes. And then there's the little pot boy. I don't know if he's a boy, but he, oh, is, he looks like. I love the little pot. Like Steve the, and I were watching it. We were like, pot man. It reminded me of Elden Ring. There's a there's a, a pot person in in Elden Ring. And I was like, oh, it's a little pot boy. <laughs> I'm so glad that you liked it or like enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Because again, like it's not like a masterpiece, but it's another no. fun example of like doing found footage differently and a- and being able to do monsters and weird things with the technique and how you can take stories we've seen plenty of times over and give them a more unique feel. On top of them also just like going fucking balls to the wall with it, which I greatly appreciate. If you like cyberpunk, not cyberpunk, like steampunk vibes too, this has got like weird steampunk vibe. A lot of the monsters have like a steampunky vibe to them because this weird dude is building them in a gross lab. With uh, metal and, and parts of, of planes. I like the propeller character too. Ugh. Which I believe is the character that was stolen for from them yeah. for Resident Evil 8. Well, it's just like, it's, it's, they're not, they don't just like do one kind of monster. They're just putting on like every, they're doing the most and never dialing it in. So I appreciate that. And yeah. I, st- I still think this should get more 
attention. As yeah, like, me too. Just like an absolutely batshit found footage movie. It was a fun one. Yeah, it's fun. It's just a good time. So everyone, that is streaming uh, on Tubi and a couple other places for free if you want to check it out. It's a just like a good creature feature weird World War II found footage movie. But we are going back to the present-ish with uh, next week's movie. Terry, what are we watching next week for our found footage series? Next week, we are watching the 2016 Blair Witch, a movie that I I feel was more maligned than it should have been. And I remember leaving the movie theater really enjoying it. So I'm excited to revisit it with with fresh eyes um, because it's been- Me too. 2016 man it's been seven years jesus i also liked it when it came out i remember being pretty like cannot as i was confused as to why everyone was such a hater so i'm excited to to rewatch it again so yeah that's what we're doing next week for little cuts but mary beth who are we chatting with i mean we sort of spoiled it but who are we chatting with on monday but on monday we are chatting with jen wexler and sean redlitz about the sacrifice game. Uh, and Jen brought with her this weird ass movie that is apparently a Canadian classic that is called Jacob Tutu meets the hooded fang. I had posted on Twitter that I was watching this and was like, I have never heard of this movie before. Has have any has anyone else on Twitter? And I gotten some responses and I put it on Blue Sky and Twitter and on both ones. Um, I had some Canadian people reaching out saying it's a Canadian classic. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. It's not readily available, although it is streaming on YouTube. If you want to watch this bizarre uh, Wizard of Odds-esque movie with fish yeah. people and slime squads and child power, <laughs> it is a weird, a weird-ass movie. It's really, really weird. There's a, there's a pair of kids whose shirt proudly proclaim child power, and they are superheroes in this world and it's um it is a wild ass time it is on youtube and i don't know what else to say about it it's from 1978 yeah Yeah, it's bizarre so get ready for that experience of a lifetime but listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you did you watch anything that we watched this week and have thoughts do you have suggestions for movies we should be covering you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on social media I am at MB McAndrews on Twitter and at MB.McAndrews on Instagram. I am at Gaily Dreadful everywhere. And uh, of course, you should be following us on social media, the podcast on social media, at Scarred for Life Podcast on Twitter and Blue Sky. Nope, at Scarred Podcast on Twitter and Blue Sky and at Scarred for Life Podcast on Instagram. I got them mixed up in my head. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And... As always, if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon. You could be watching us chat right now. And like I said, with our fresh wounds, we have a new, our 11th episode, I think it is, that dropped this week on Frontiers. So go check that out. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.